Hey, hey, what's up, y'all? This is Carlos Harlow, and welcome to season two of the Trigger Point podcast. So that's Trigger Point with an E. Make sure you don't forget the E. And some of y'all listening are probably thinking I'm a liar right now, because if you listen to season one, I said several times that this was a limited episode podcast. It was only going to be one season. But I thought about it, and as you may already know, I have my new novel, which is also called Trigger Point. Uh, It's actually, the podcast was based on the book. Um, So a lot of these episodes that we're talking about, or all of these episodes really, um, will tie into the book in some type of way. So the book was was released on February 3rd, um, or February 2nd, I'm sorry. Um, So just released yesterday. And you can pick it up at my website. It's poeticexpressions.com, P-E-A-U-X-E-T-I-C, and then expressions, one word. Um, So you can get it from there. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat is poetic, spelled the same way, P-E-A-U-X-E-T-I-C. Facebook, Poetic Expressions, and uh, or Carlos, just regular Carlos Harlow. (laughs) You can find me on there, too. But today, I have a very special guest with me on this first episode that's called Flip the Switch, and her name is Sophie Greenaway, and her handle on Instagram is stt underscore Sophie. So without further ado, I will introduce you all to Sophie. Thanks for being on the show, Sophie. Hey, thank you for having me. Hello, Trigger Point community. (laughs) How are you? I am doing really well. Hope everyone is staying as healthy and as mentally sane as possible, Mm, right? Given this global panoramic pizza that we're all living through yes you know (laughs) i myself i'm holding on you know one day at a time that's my dad's favorite thing every time i speak to him you know his last words before he hangs up is always keep holding on so daddy i keep holding on i like that good words daddy (laughs) (laughs) yes so to give y'all a little bit of background into how i know sophie so and i tell her this to this day all the time so I guess you could say it's two jobs back, um, a company that we both worked for. She was there before I was. And out of everybody that trained me on the systems and everything, Sophie was by far the most efficient. And I don't know if it was partly because she used a lot of food analogies. The food <laughs> is just a way to my heart. So you start talking about food. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm keyed in. I'm listening now. <laughs> but everything she said just stuck so well and this episode flipped the switch is talking about how a lot of times in professional settings you have people who act one way at work and then outside of work they may act a totally different way sophie has been the same i mean she's just really great person great heart very giving um straightforward kind of person and what you see at work is also the same Sophie you see outside of work. So, yeah. So that's that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> and y'all should have heard our pre-podcast banter. It was pretty hilarious. But <laughs> Yes. So... Um, I'm super excited to be a part of this particular episode. And thank you for even just the observation of, you know what? What you see with Sophie is what you get. And it doesn't change determining based on the setting or who the person is. Um, And that's how I define my authentic nature, right? That's what authentic means to me and how I live it. That's right. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I feel like, too, you're a very good person at 
choosing your words carefully and holding your temper in a lot of situations where I think most people would probably fly <laughs> off at the handle. I know me personally, I'm pretty calm and even kill, but once I reach that point, it's like I just need to walk out the building because oh, I'm about I to start have. flipping tables. I, I, I have. Oh. I have. <laughs> you flipped a table let or me, two. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Then they started bolting them down to the ground because they were like, oh, she coming. No. <laughs> I mean, a, another part of my, my journey or my evolution was, and I'll start, you know, just back at who I, I am as a person at my core the, the little wee Sophie of 10 years old, right? Because as far back as I can remember, maybe 10 or 8, just the way how I existed in spaces was uh, really just raw, meaning I always wear my heart on my sleeve. You can always know how I feel about something. And unfortunately, that used to really um, come down to when I was super angry. So mm-hmm. at the time, and I don't know, you know, any uh, kids of divorcees out there, but... Whether or not you turn into a good communicator as you grow up, sometimes it really manifests itself when you're little and Mm. you are having um, either anger management issues or outbursts or the way you respond to things, at least for in my case, were exponentially now that I'm reflecting. So what's wrong with her? (laughs) Exponentially over the top compared to what would happen, you know. And in school, case in point, you'd have like elementary school little boys like, you know, teasing you or saying something. At the time, I used to play percussion as part of the school band. Hey, I did too. Hey, Dramas United. And (laughs) I used to carry home the snare drum in a case to practice as well as a folding music stand to practice plus my backpack wait how far was your commute home because for those that don't know a snare drum is not light (laughs) (laughs) it is not light um it also in that case had the stand and so it was just about kind of like walking through the elementary school grounds you know up a few hills this is in saint thomas that's where i'm from hence the stt in my um ig handle and so in St. Thomas Elementary School, kind of, it, it, you know, there's there's hills, there's flat areas and there's more hills. Everything's kind of like built into the organic layout of the, the islandscape. Um, and so I didn't have a commute so much so as I needed to get to a certain point, then I would sit down and then wait for my mom to come pick me up, which she actually worked at a school that was maybe about like 10 minutes in another location, but oh, she didn't want okay. me to go so to the same elementary by. school that she taught at so I could get some independence. Oh. And then I would just wait for her to come pick me up at the end that's of the day. That's interesting. I think that's commendable, too, because I think a lot of parents <laughs> probably would have done the opposite. The opposite. Let me like, keep I this want baby you here, right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. They done messed up earlier in my life because oh. they, they, listen, I was a clingy baby. Okay? We're going to talk about me real quick. This, this is my rawness. So everyone's going to know all my backstory. clingy baby my mom has always been a teacher which is interesting that i am now in training right we talked about how i trained Mm -hmm. you and before i was old enough to like formerly formally go to school air quotes for people who are listening to the podcast um they made me a they stitched me a little uniform so i could look like the kids that were at my mom's school that she taught shout out to apostolic faith a uh, little parochial school that she taught at. It no longer oh. exists, but, oh. you know, she taught there. And Memories. she would try to put me at a babysitter, and I was not having it. Nope. Okay? Oh. You, heard, you heard what I said. I was not having it. 
And so my my mom and my sister stitched me a little uniform. And so every day she would take me with her to work and I would just kind of be there learning with the other kids. This is what I am told transpired. So I guess once I got old enough to fend for myself, they tried to maybe retrain some of those clingy ways out of me by saying, all right, go to school on your own. Now, we tell That's all funny. of this backstory, right? When I was talking about the whole like rage and I need to give you the context of the fact that I was carrying this snare drum and this um, music stand. Well, the music stand folded up like a spear. Uh-huh. So I need you to, you know, channel your Wonder Woman, you know, the, the folks that she was with, <laughs> you know, they have their weaponry and so did I. So those little annoying <laughs> little boys that would be little boys, quite frankly, and just, you know, say all, right. all the things that little boys say. It's not a big deal. I would use that stand. Don't come for me. Anyone who's listening to this, I'm pretty sure statute of limitations has really expired at this right. point. <laughs> so you can't come back for me. But I would I would literally chuck the thing at them. And those spears the, got some sharp edges. Yes. Those, and those stands have some sharp edges. And I would chuck it at them. You know, just because it would say something to me. Like, why am I responding to someone's words with such anger and violence, like explosive? And so, you know, that was where I would say I have to I have come a long way to where you think now that I am a more thoughtful adult. There are honestly. Oh, my God. Even just probably a few, and I'm sorry for my mouth smacking. If y'all can't tell, I am black. Yeah, right. Um, and there is uh, a little bit of sass that does flare up. I also am from the Caribbean. So that's a lot of sass and flavor and attitude all popped into one. So bear with us. And, you know, for anyone who's like, man, she it. talks it's real okay. loud. Uh, yeah, turn down your headphones. Duh. Anyway. Yeah, right. So, all right. <laughs> I'm going to tell you like it is. He, he said I was straight talking. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're like, what does this have to do with flip the switch? Well, I'm getting there, y'all. Um, but oh, in the good. professional space, I had years where, you know, I would be put in, you know, not necessarily put in. I have earned. Let me say you're right. I had earned yeah, my place at certain tables to be able to uh, lead different teams or be a part of different projects in different spaces. And at times, like, life will always throw you um, a good adversary, right? Mm-hmm. And I say a good adversary, not necessarily saying that they were good and it was necessary, but they were just good at being adversarial. Right. Right? Okay. Right. And, you know, you game, respect, game. I'm going to give them their kudos, right? Even if it annoyed the crap out of me. Mm, you were good at annoying me. Take that. And I would have times where I had to almost, I feel like, fight to be heard when I was saying sense. And sometimes in that corporate setting, it would come across as, I'm sorry, I know you think you're talking loud and you are talking with authority in your voice, but here's what you're going to hear from me today. And so it would be very clear that I'm not no one's fool. I'm not Boba the fool. I'm not his cousin. I am here to say what needs to be said and make sure that anything that I have to end up reinforcing or committing my team to execute, I I had to be bought into it. Oftentimes, folks kind of expect uh, managers to kind of be good soldiers, if you will. Like, mm-hmm. we've gotten an order. We have to execute it. Nah, you got to prove that to me. Make it make sense. Because guess yeah, what? I have to now leave this room mm-hmm. and go out there and talk like I 
firmly believe that this is the this is this is the necessary next step for us. Uh-huh. So if you didn't do your due diligence of making it make sense to me, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, sounds like and you I, have a problem. That's that's <laughs> so true because when I, so for everybody listening. Sophie was never my manager, but I felt like you were kind of my pseudo manager in a lot of ways <laughs> because venting or a soundboard, I would, you know, one of the clients just tick me off. I would say, okay, well, how do I word this? Or how do I say this? But that's one thing that I think no one can take away from you is we can tell when it's something that you're really passionate about. And if you, if you're not passionate about it or you don't stand behind it, then you're not going to fake it. Correct. And make it seem like you are. Yes. Um, For me, a big part of who I am and how I like to show up in a space is when you hear an endorsement from me on something, Mm -hmm. I am real protective of my personal brand Mm -hmm. and the people that I choose to extend that brand to cover. So if I'm referring you to someone, you're an extension of me. Don't embarrass me in these streets. Right. Uh, if I am recommending something, even just something as simple as a dish or something for you to eat or a tea for you to drink, I feel an immense sense of uh, ownership mm-hmm. and accountability of that information. So that is a thousand times more so in the work environment for me. Like uh, if you okay. hear me stand behind mm-hmm. something, that that's like... I I could bleed and die for this particular, and it could just be like, oh yeah, the printer code is X Y Z. I'm like, right, but I know what the printer is code, the code is. This right? is the this is the code. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but that's true though, and I think that's important. And it's it's funny because I I think sometimes as people, you kind of admire things and other people sometimes that maybe you don't have or you're not quite there at yet same yes so i feel like that's why i admire that so much about you because in the past and i think i've kind of grown out of it a little bit now or more so than i used to be but much like the main character in my book trigger point i feel like i'm professional and i give you know i'm friendly i speak to everybody but I'll give you more so the face value mm-hmm. or surface, I should say, Carlos. And ver- like for, for you, you probably like the stuff that you know about me or like some of the discussions and stuff that we have. Other people that we work with will probably be like, what, Carlos? Like talks like no, that or say that or what? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, it's always like a shock if I say or do certain things. But that's because most times those people only know the surface Carlos. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's like a defense mechanism or what that is. They know Carlos up to a point, a trigger point with an E. But I'm ching. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, y'all. I love puns. And that was just wide open. I could not not do it. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that, and I apologize for the ums, as a professional communicator, I shame on me for putting in that um, but... Here we are. We're all family, (laughs) right? Trigger point community. Yes. But what you have highlighted, honestly, a lot of people live by what they believe in the workplace to be certain rules, Mm -hmm. certain rules of engagement when it comes to how to exist, how to succeed, how to be seen, how to be given opportunities or consideration for opportunities. 
And it's so timely that I'm on this particular episode because I have a bit of a story to share oh, yes. in that same vein. I was going to remind you because I remember you yeah. telling me. Yeah, I want to hear this. Okay. <laughs> so recently in the workplace, I've been noticing that there are times where what I do really well serves either individuals or organizational goals, and then I'm thrust to the forefront. And there are other times where it would make sense for me to be involved, not necessarily own. I don't like to own everything, but right. be involved just to, be in just to inform or just be informed. And then in certain areas, and then I'm weirdly not involved because I, I don't want to make the assumption mm. that I'm overlooked, but I'm not involved. Right. So I'm one of those people also that I don't wait to for a mentor to decide that they want to mentor me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and make you. <laughs> <laughs> you are my mentor. You are my mentor. I will ask you questions. I will schedule time. I will follow up with you. And you're going to be like, wait, am I? Am I mentoring someone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you are. <laughs> I and think so- I kind of did that with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, hey, um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, I want if- her to train me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want to learn from that person. <laughs> and so uh, men- mentioning that mentorship, you know, unofficial mentorship relationships that I tend to foster wherever I go. I really like to, especially how you highlighted, you you love things in, in other people that you don't feel like you have or that you really feel like is your superpower or your strength. And so one of these individuals uh, gave me some feedback recently. Mm-hmm. In light of that recent uh, observation of, hey, why am I not, you know, being invited into spaces and into opportunities and conversations that I actually should because it's my area of expertise and you know how how can I help others see that I am really there to help them look their best and not Mm. to be seen as some sort of antagonist right right and so in the workplace you know we can often find ourselves trying to kind of code switch or trying to on our worst days, try to manipulate a situation or manipulate how we show up in a situation in order to have opportunity. But I really love to focus on who I am as a person. I like to explore my motives, explore why I express myself in certain ways to then be able to unpack it. And if it requires adjustment, I can adjust at my core. And then that's how it becomes my authentic self versus just pivoting for the advantage of the situation. Right. So the mentoring character in this one uh, mentioned, and I have two. So mentor character number one mentioned, and that person is male, that based on their observation, the way how I engage with people one-on-one, unmatched, meaning that I tend to mirror whoever it is that I'm communicating with on that one-on-one level Mm -hmm. i give them my undivided attention i speak in terms or focus on things that matter most to them versus trying to get them to kind of come over to my ideologies or my way of looking at things and i really do try to put myself in their shoes and all those things are 100 percent. that's the only way i feel like i can truthfully walk away knowing that I really did try to help where help was needed or I at least listened when listening was the task. Right. 
And the next thing that he observed was, but in a group setting in the work environment, he calls me a force. I like to call it, I will not be denied. (laughs) (laughs) Where he's like, it's also you, but in the group setting, especially when, uh, by the way, I am a really curious person. I'm just naturally curious. I love to ask questions and understand. You can even ask Carlos before we even got on this whole conversation. I asked him so many questions around, (laughs) you know, this whole podcast, the intent, you know, the book, everything to make sure that I understood. And that that actually was perfect because that was a glimpse into the depth of questioning that my mind is willing to go to to make sure that I understand the big picture and to make sure that I show up in a way that supports the big picture, not just operating off of that sliver of information. Mm -hmm. My mind is always searching to paint in more of the color and understand it. Where are there opportunities for me to help? Right. I was going to say that too, because it was helpful Mm -hmm. for me. And I feel like it's something that most people, I venture to say most would not do. (laughs) (laughs) Not my business. Uh I'm just going to show up. (laughs) No heavy lifting. Right. Uh, but so it's, you know, I'm glad because that's yeah. that was on a one-on-one level that mm-hmm. you felt that benefit. Right. So in a group setting, oftentimes when there is a presenter, I was given the feedback that there are times when I'm in that force space and I have questions and I say, you know, I come off mute because we're in this virtual world now. I come off mute. <laughs> right. I said, Hey, please excuse me. I'm going to, you know, probably have a few questions. I tend to ask a lot of questions and then I go into my line of questioning. Now, my line of questioning, I always get the feedback from others. Oh, my gosh, I never thought about that. Please keep asking questions. Oh, my gosh, your questions, you know, they they happen. That's exactly what I was thinking. And you worded it so well. Mm. Right. So it reinforced my tendency to ask questions. Right. I would even ask my supervisor, like, hey, I mean, it was kind of awkward. I didn't intend to ask all those questions, but I just really wanted to understand it so I could be able to unpack it. Um, another reason I ask questions mm-hmm. is just for true clarity and understanding. Remember that burden of ownership and accountability I just mentioned? Mm-hmm. I feel like if I am attending a meeting... If someone else who didn't get to attend can't ask me, hey, what was said in that meeting? And what are the big takeaways? If I can't give them uh, a thought out answer in terms of what's important to them, I feel a little bit like I didn't do the the job. I didn't do the task. Why did I show up to that meeting if I couldn't actually tell you what transpired? So that y'all don't live like me. I'll be putting this burden on myself. No, but that's I think that's so key, especially like you said, in this virtual world that where a lot of people are living in now with the pandemic. That's true. And it's, it's so much for me, at least it's so much easier to check out in mm. meetings now than mm-hmm. it was when we were in person mm-hmm. because I could be, you know, answering emails. I could be doing invoices. <laughs> I could be doing all these other things and maybe I'm clued into the nuggets I really need to know. But to your point, that's happened to me before in full transparency. I've been in group meetings and when I leave, I feel like I got the things that I need to know mm-hmm. for my next steps, but to fully regurgitate the meeting back to someone else. I don't know if I could always or the big it. picture right. of how it all fits together, uh-huh. which is usually the, the element that I'm trying to pursue. Right? right. With my depth of questioning. Yeah. 
You know, I have no shame, Carlos. There are many other people like you. And I bet y'all's <laughs> blood pressure are nice and even and you nice and happy. I bet you're sleeping great. Uh, <laughs> because to exist in this space that I am in is not easy. And in his observations of when I would ask those questions, I would come mm-hmm. off me and ask those questions. He gave me the coaching that at times or most times it could be seen as I'm almost like interrogating or stress testing how well they know their topic versus my pursuit of clarity. Now, Carlos has furrowed eyebrows because he's like, really? How? I know you. And that, right, that doesn't feel that. like, you yeah. know, the thing. But let's unpack it. <laughs> so it's interesting that you furrowed your eyebrows and you said, hmm, that doesn't feel right. Let me let me explore it. So I'm a person that I don't just take one person say so as law. I got to do my research, guys. Why? Because I'm accountable to that information. And if it's something that I'm going to pivot and adjust, I need to explore all the facts. Right. So I have another trusted uh, mentor and I shared the feedback. This one is a woman. And that woman actually said, ha. Actually, is it okay for me to push back on that a little bit? And I said, of course, because I'm I'm here to collect perspectives. Right. Right. She said that there are times where you ask questions. So that's my little nickname (laughs) that it really challenges the presenter to share more insight, maybe tap into something or consider something they haven't considered before. And that's needed in the leadership space. Mm -hmm. She said that I get that that other mentor gave you that perspective. And it's important because there are times where we are trying to survive. But she said, let me tell you, because I have, you know, probably about 10 years more than you in the corporate space. After a while, you're going to feel like you're not being authentic to yourself. And it's so poignant that she said the word authentic because that really perked up my ears because I pride myself on no respecter of persons could be CEO could be janitor I treat you with the same level of respect intensity but I'm also asked these questions (laughs) (laughs) and I will tell other people who I know are more so um you know the talkers who tend to just kind of and I'm like yeah 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 you'll have time to just like babble a little bit but i want to ask this question because this question if i can unlock that i will understand the bigger picture just a bit more and understand how i can be able to support the vision right a lot of my questions are also so i can ensure and it's a weird sort of thing i i feel an immense sense of responsibility and tribeship with the people that i work with on my team and i won't have anybody else catch us you know slipping we gonna catch ourselves I okay sorry I didn't mean to cut you off I just had to say because it's funny as you were talking literally that's what I was thinking in the back of my head because I remember when we worked together I felt like a lot of your questions were the voice of the team or mm. the voice of the team that so I was people like, are thinking but nobody yeah, want to ask right <laughs> Bernie Mac <laughs> look him up <laughs> rest in peace <laughs> But yeah, true. I, I do feel like that. I feel like you asked the questions that maybe people were scared to ask or maybe sometimes you. I think, too, because this has happened to me before, too. Sometimes you 
may know a question to ask, but you may not know it in that moment because I'm a reflective type of person. Yes. And after the meeting, when I'm at home at dinner, I might think, oh, dang, that's a question I should have asked. But your thought process, you would ask a lot of those questions that maybe people wouldn't think about in the heat of the moment. In the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's completely fair. And for anyone who's like, oh, I'm I'm more of that. I call it the chew and stew, Mm -hmm. where you take an information, (laughs) you got chew on it a little bit, and then you realize, hey, there's a hole of knowledge there, there and Mm -hmm. there. Let me go follow up with questions. My brain is, thankfully, I, you know, it's not anything that I practice. It's just that, oh, back to elementary really quick when I was 10 years old. In that, bu- in that elementary school band, as a percussionist, they gave us superlative awards. And guess what mine was? Most inquisitive. Hey. Because I would always <laughs> ask that poor band director, why? And why? And why? And now as an adult, <laughs> I'm asking, why? And what are the intended KPIs? And what is the standard operating procedure and expectation for that? You know, and right. how can I best support that? You know, so the, 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 the questions that I asked, you know, at my youngest stage never really changed. They just evolved mm-hmm. in their depth and maybe got a bit refined based on the subject matter. Right. But all that to say, you know, she was like the questions that you're asking, specifically when people are really confident, they don't feel them as threatening Mm -hmm. when people are comfortable because you can be comfortable and confident and not know everything about a topic. I want to make sure that that's said for anyone that's listening in the future. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? When generations down the line find this podcast in the Spotify archives (laughs) or, you know, wherever Trigger Point with an E can be listened to and found. Yes. Jeez. You know, you realize that you can still be confident and poised and communicate and not know every single thing Mm. there is to know. And so she mentioned to me that the my questions serve an important purpose within the organization. However, the fact that someone is feeling threatened by the fact that I ask questions is more their problem Mm -hmm. than mine. Now, she said that feedback is great if you want to survive. And there are times where, as a black woman, I need to survive Mm -hmm. circumstances because let's not play ourselves like there isn't, you know, a space um, that I could I could adjust my approach. The questions are still going to be asked, right. but <laughs> the approach will way. be, hey, I'm sorry. I would love to ask a few questions. I just need to make sure that I understand for for my own clarity. You know, a few things. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. That was the mentor one. That was his coaching to allow the recipient of the questions to give me the what is the word? The uh, permission. And it wasn't like permission in that mm. weird space of like, you're a master, I'm servant permission. Right. It was more so saying, oh yes, I'm, I'm buying into, yes, you are going to ask questions and yes, I'm willing to have that conversation with you. It's a courtesy thing. It happens in sales very often. Well, you'll ask a customer, you know, is it okay if I, if I show you this? You just right. gave me permission if you say yes. So he right. was saying that... There are times where just that that low barrier of just asking them for permission allows them to say, and I'm willing to to go into this exchange and it softens my entrance. 
the female mentor was like, why are we softening your entrance? You're not asking anything in a rude way. Right. And you are asking things that are thoughtful and that need to be asked. Mm -hmm. So you can see where, you know, different feedback from different people or just different perspectives. You we always get them in life. Right. And it's really incumbent upon me to figure out what's usable, what's reservable for later and what's dumpable. Because there are some things that you're Mm -hmm. like. That's never going to be me. I guess yeah. this is either this is not <laughs> the space is. for right. me mm-hmm. or this is not the place for me. Or uh, maybe there are areas where I can grow. Right. There, There's really right. and, and life should be fluid. We should be flexible. We should grow. And so it was very interesting that I got two very different perspectives from folks that I value so much as mentors who equally make observations on how I move within the corporate space. Now, because I'm messy, but also very curious, (laughs) I asked a third person that had no weight, no stakes, no ownership, but also exists as one of my partners in my, in my uh, leadership space. And that person actually mentioned a lot of what you mentioned, Carlos, the fact Mm. that that person needs to chew and stew and that person finds so much value in the fact that I can ask those questions at that time. I like that person. I don't know them, but I like (laughs) (laughs) They found me to be a more so strategic thinker where they found themselves to be more of just an executioner, Mm -hmm. and they actually looked up to the fact that I was a... I was like, I don't think I'm a strategic thinker, but thanks. Fun fact, I have a book that one of my mentors recommended that's about uh, strategy. So I, the no. fact that I don't even see myself as that, but I like, oh, I'm going to study it. I'm going to read right. it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Um, it's such an interesting thing. So I know I said a lot, but at the end of the day, if we're going to kind of say what are the things that I operate by so that in the work environment, I never feel like the main character in your book where I didn't show up as 100% of who I was all the time and then feel like, wait, I played the game. Why, why, why aren't I advancing? Why aren't I winning? Mm-hmm. But as long as I'm always myself, I always feel like there's a way for me to win. May not be in this game, mm. but in the game of my life, right. Right. I am winning. Yeah. So that's true. And, and you know, I think too, what's so dangerous about playing the game and that whole mentality is People's opinions can change day to day. Can't they though? What kind of day they're having? Hey. So if five people cut me off on the way to work, then we can watch it all burn. Right. I mean, (laughs) you're not sure if that falls into you. Go back to your tweet. I mean, your tweets um, about five years ago. Let's see how you felt about things then versus how you feel about things now. Yeah. Let's go back a decade. Uh Let's let's talk about the celebrities that have to make sure that they scrub their their uh, social media profiles mm-hmm. and posts. So they don't from, get canceled. <laughs> hey, from years and years and years ago. That's why I don't post nothing, y'all. When you yeah, go to S-T-T underscore Sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E <laughs> on Instagram, you'll be like, she likes food and flowers. And that'll be a yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> but yeah, it's. It, I feel like it could be damaging to the person that plays that game because if I'm having a good day, I may give you a different type of feedback than I would if I were having a bad day. Absolutely. So that's why I feel like the 
I forgot the exact words that you mentioned, but the the save it and kind of yeah. chew on it and then dump it. Yeah. That's where I feel like that really comes into play because sometimes that person could it could be just as simple as that person just had a bad day. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they don't have that quality that you have and they could envy that. Now, here's another thing. Way. It could have nothing to do with me at all and purely based yep. on their personal agenda of yep. what they want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And here I come with my monkey wrench. <laughs> Got my monkey wrench question. <laughs> you, know, click. you know, messing up their plan. Uh, <laughs> and so it could have honestly nothing to do with me. Yep. And I'm willing to exist in a space that's not completely self-centered and narcissistic enough to think that everything that happens in the workspace right. and in this world somebody was looking at me someone had me on their mind no they don't <laughs> right right i well you know what? i want to ask you something too i want to go back a little bit to something you said earlier because i do feel like another great trait that you have is you do give people that one-on-one attention and i've seen that with you in the workplace like where you tailor it to different people and sometimes for some people, I'm going to be honest, it was exhausting for me to see because I'm like, I I couldn't see myself bending to their, in my view, warped way of thinking. But you did it. I mean, and you made it seem like it was easy. So when you do that, does it ever get draining? Or do you feel like I need somebody or something to pour back into me because you're giving so mm-hmm. much to all these individual uh, scenarios? Such a good question. So, fun fact, I am a high-functioning introvert. And I call myself high-functioning because so many people misassign or categorize me as an extrovert because I'm a rambunctious, chatty Kathy at times. (laughs) But to your point, when I go home or when it's done, I am exhausted. I just want to stay quiet and not have to say any words. I don't like to have to leave the house if I don't have to. Or if I have to, I have to work it up mentally and be like, (laughs) okay, all right, you got this. It's only going to be for a few hours. What's your escape strategy? This is what you're going to do. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) about to make it. Um, So what's so interesting in my existence, and I know we were talking about this a little bit, it's rare that folks that I value as, you know, friends, great colleagues, that they check on me to see how I'm doing. Now, I don't know if that's a byproduct of just how people communicate in this day and age. They think a little like on a post or a smiley is checking checking in. in, You know what I mean? (laughs) And But then there's the other factor of people tend to check in on areas where they feel like, oh, there might be weakness or someone might be needing them. Mm-hmm. Folks might be miscategorizing me as someone that's really strong and don't really need to be checked in with or followed up with. You know, in the case, she all right. Right. What? That's so. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And for every person who knows that if you are that person that's categorized as the strong one, it's a lonely existence when it comes to your moments of vulnerability where you don't know who to turn to because no one ever actually checks on you. And to go from the strong one to the vulnerable one, it's a, a very 
uh, exposing sort of transition. And it has to be with people that you already know and love and trust. Trust that they're not going to throw it back at you or try to use it as something to erode your previous categorization of strength because vulnerability in and of itself requires immense strength, immense um, confidence to be like, I'm going to still be this person. I'm still, you know, a tough one. I'm still the one not to be messed with. I'm still a game changer. I'm still a boss, you know, but I'm having a human moment. And I need support. Yeah. So, yeah, that. sometimes yeah. sometimes it can be a, a little lonely in that category and a bit draining because I'm pouring out so much. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me as an introvert, thankfully, a lot of my energy is restored by being alone. But I often find that my humanity is restored when I connect with others that I trust. So... Mm-hmm. Yes, there's energy, but I also need that humanity and empathy restoration as well. Right. I, I agree with you on that. And I feel like that's one way that we're really alike because in some settings, I think, well, I know I'm an introvert, but I think sometimes maybe if people saw my interactions or like our interactions mm-hmm. together, they probably would think I was an extrovert mm-hmm. because we would just like talk about <laughs> anything or just go back anything and, forth. and everything. Yes. That's why I could talk to the most odd person. <laughs> the most interesting conversation that I had, well, excuse me, I should say the unexpected conversation that I had was around needlepoint and the domestic arts recently oh. um, interviewing for folks to join my team. Huh. And one of the interviewees, you know, actually shared that and so what was so funny is that you know my boss she was a part of some follow-up interviews and i mentioned to her like oh the previous interview we talked about you know needle pointing and the domestic arts and she was like what you were talking about what i was like oh you had to be there i was like it allowed us to connect i learned some things Mm -hmm. and she was like you amaze me like she was like your charm is absolutely the way how you can connect with so many different people Mm -hmm. on so many different topics yeah and it's just because i asked questions and i was like tell me more right and you know and we got into a very honest conversation so yes (laughs) as a as a weird aside i was like needle pointing but yes people might have seen our conversations about anything where we were just giddy and giggling Mm -hmm. and misrepresent you as oh he's an extrovert because he's smiling no not not. all people that smile (laughs) right are extroverts yeah and i i remember reading something one time and and maybe this has been widely shared, I don't know, but I feel like this interpretation really stuck with me. And the person said how you can tell if you're an extrovert or introvert is how you feel after you're around a group of people. Yes. And they basically said if you feel drained in any sense or if you feel this need to recharge, then you're probably an introvert. Or if you feel like you're just on top of the moon and, you know, Cloud nine. Yeah, exactly. You're an extrovert. <laughs> and I thought about that, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's usually I need to recharge most times. For several weeks. <laughs> because Not weeks. <laughs> yeah, because I've peaked. Okay? Right. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I, I let it all go, and then yeah. now I got to ramp back up, take yeah. my time, mm-hmm. have a whole weekend of nothing, and then you yeah. can catch me on the second weekend. Yeah. Every other weekend. Yeah. I just can't, I can't be nowhere, can't be seen by no one. Don't want to put on no clothes. You what, you want me to put on pants with a button? Get out of here. Not going to do it. No, I'm not going to flip that switch. Off. <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. And I, I feel like I felt this way. So I'm curious to see if you feel the same. Do you feel like, and I know this pandemic has been horrible for mm-hmm. so many people, you know, people have lost loved ones or, you know, so many people have gotten, especially with this Omarion variant, <laughs> Omicron, I know what it really is for those who don't know Omarion. Anyway. <laughs> um, but I do feel like a lot of great things have come out of this pandemic. And I feel like it has probably been more of a blessing for the introverts because we Preach. get that chance to recharge. <laughs> Every professional introvert yeah. that yeah. I have communicated with, we have relished <laughs> that we are alone in our working conditions at home. Yeah. We have relished the fact that we can put a mask in our face and nobody knows it's us in the grocery store. I ain't got to talk to no one. You hear Was me? Was that Sophie? Uh, no. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so, maybe not. <laughs> I have seen people, honestly. Okay, so it's shameful, right? I've seen people that I know, uh-huh. at, but they weren't wearing a mask, and I was. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and just creep past them. And I was like, oh, this is the best. Now, I also had one friend that recognized me. I had a hair wrap on. I had the mask on. Oh. I was in a part of town that's you know not typical for where you would see a chocolate sister. And that person... <laughs> Texted me. Are yeah. you in this store? Wait. Wait. wait where you? Where you? Follow me. I'm, I don't, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> Show yourself. <laughs> but that was that one friend who I was like, dang, you probably work for the CIA. How he, how he finding people? I feel like I would have been able to spot you out. I, if, <laughs> I mean, head wrap. I, I think I had on a, a blue dress with sneakers. I'm telling you, it was just all sorts of mishmash. But I was like, let me get these snacks. Hey, that's right. That's, that's all that's important. Let's just get the snacks. That's right. So now I double down. Um, if you happen to see a somewhat confusingly uh, middle class hobo walking around your grocery oh, store, wait, it's probably me. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> because I love, I know uh, Carlos uh, loves beanie weather. Beanie oh, yes. weather is all beanies. year round for me. Um, hey. And so I will frequently go out in a beanie a hoodie where I pull it over the beanie. Of course, I have on my mask, uh, sweatpants, and sneaks, and maybe like an extra coat, especially now because, you know, it's it's cold here. And that is my hobo type. People don't know it's me at all. They're like, that's not a human. But it, is it a man? Is it a woman? I have had people that, couldn't, man, that weren't so. sure. They literally was like, oh, there's a purse. Oh, it's a woman. <laughs> a cisgendered woman in the moment. I think right. they make the assumption or, you know, who, who knows? Right, right. <laughs> I love it. But oh. yes, it's an introvert's dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I also it think is. just for the in the workplace, I got to say, honestly, it's allowed me to reintroduce balance back into my life. Mm. So I'm also a notorious morning person. And so being able to work remotely allows me to have a very short commute to the living room right. uh, no where traffic. I exactly <laughs> where I'm able to do my work alone in quiet. It's almost like when you would get up early to go to the office early just so you could get some work done by yourself. Mm-hmm. Now you can just do that. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of the day when everything is kind of picking up and people are like reaching out to you and you spend more of your day responding to slacks and being in meetings yeah. and actually making progress. Yes. Um, 
that can be found as a disadvantage. And so you start saying, okay, well, how did I, how did for me, Sophie, it use this new in, I, I don't want to say new normal, but I'm going to say it, the new normal yeah. to create balance is I'm able to wake up early when my cognitive, you know, uh, willpower, my energy, my creativity is at its highest. Get that done. Right. Then go to work out because I had forsaken, like many of us, we had forsaken yeah. our yeah. physical health, you know, in response to, to the, the lockdowns. And so getting back to working out in the morning and then by the time I come back, you know, I'm able to literally start my day at nine with everyone else well quote unquote start my day restart my day at nine with everyone else and then in the middle of the afternoon i'm able to take my dog on a thoughtful walk where i don't have to be like oh i'm rushing back from a Uh meeting let me walk my dog he gets his exercise i get some movement in my legs because i've been sitting for all these hours and then you know we wrap up for the day and it starts again but the, the balance for me comes in the working out in working when my mind is most uh, best prepped and oriented for the task, mm-hmm. which for me is in the morning. I've always been back in my school days. I've always been the kid where I couldn't, I never did homework in the afternoon. Never. Uh, I would go to sleep really early cause that's just how I'm built. And I would wake up at 4 AM, 4 30 AM do my homework then. I'm with you on that. I'm the funny thing is I do the same habits that you're saying, mm-hmm. even though I'm a night person. Ooh. But it's because selfishly I want my nights to for be your my fun nights. stuff. Yeah, for do what it, yes. and it might be nothing but sitting on the couch. Listen, you still you have you ever heard the, the IG sound? I'm not for the streets, I'm for the sheets. Listen. That's me. But yeah, you're right. And in the so the company I'm at now full transparency it was a bit of a culture shock when i first started there because a lot of the people start the work day around nine o'clock mm. so that made me really anxious because i'm thinking okay i'm used to you know at uh-huh. the other company we were at i'll get there 7 30 yeah, 7 o'clock yeah. so about nine yep. o'clock what <laughs> i didn't answer 15 emails exactly. i probably had a call with a client i'm on my second <laughs> breakfast <laughs> right <laughs> So to your point, you're right. I tailored myself to just say, okay, I'm going to get my workout done in the morning, get back home, log in between 8 and 8.30. Mm-hmm. But it was such a game changer for me to even just have 30, 45 minutes ahead of the pack mm-hmm. because you do have that quiet time where you can just fire yes. away stuff. So if everyone unfortunately gets in early for quiet time, then quiet time doesn't exist anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think so the, don't y'all all do it at once. Hello. Or do it, but then be quiet. Don't right. try to reach out to me. Don't see that I'm, you know, I'm active on yeah. the messenger and send Eight me a o'clock. note. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> Delete. No. <laughs> Block. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, but um, all that said, I absolutely see that for some people that are recharged by the engagement with others and are more accustomed to the traditional workplaces and how traditional engagement has gone, it's really been the hardest for them. Mm-hmm. They have been beside yeah. themselves. Uh-huh almost trying to claw their way back to the good old days, if you will. Right. 
And I'm just like, let it happen, baby. Right. You know? <laughs> just lean into this. It's, it's happening. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's groovy, baby. Like, let it be. Yes, yes. I agree. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, we are nearing the end of the show, but like I always like to do before we close out, um, what is one nugget that you would give listeners that are tuning in today and maybe they're trying to find their way being an extrovert or introvert or being seen Mm -hmm. in spaces or maybe they're just trying to ask the right questions um you know in the professional setting maybe you know versus their personal life so this goes for the quiet maybe the church mouse-esque you know wallflower friends of mine who still want to be able to make an impact and still have questions and still want to engage. Nothing should stop you from using advocates. What do I mean by that? Because I'm more of a bold communicator in those meetings. Someone that may be a bit more shy or needs to write down their thoughts if I'm aligned with them, because those shy people, they can correspond and they can communicate one-on-one. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that stops us from having an allyship to where you can use my mouthpiece oh. to ask your okay. questions. You can still get your answers. But I also feel it's the responsibility of those in leadership to create spaces that are inclusive of different communication styles. So a big part of how I run my team is allowing them to communicate in like during a meeting, whether it be in the written form in Slack, because some people do not like to come off mute, but I use it in Slack or in Zoom chat, especially in my profession with training. I value that interaction as highly and give it attention as highly as I do when people come off of mute. Mm. That way I'm not forcing folks to adapt to what I want them to do as far as how I want them to show up. I allow them to be authentic to who they are and I make room for it to also be valued in our exchange. Hmm. I love that. Okay. Wow. Okay. I may, I 100% agree. I wouldn't, I don't even really have much to add to that. (laughs) I would just say, um, whether you have to do it in a, Maybe a little bit of a sugar-coated way, like you say, if you are that maybe yeah. church mouse-esque yes. type person. Always, and this is something I've had to learn the hard way over the years, is always get your point across um, and don't hold on to it. So what I mean is almost every job I've worked at, managers have told me that I'm kind of the litmus test of... <laughs> when shit's really going bad. Because <laughs> they're like, certain people come in my office and complain all day and their perspective was when you start complaining, it's really bad. It's a problem. <laughs> because you don't really, you know, I'm perceived as this go with the flow, which actually I'm not, but I really believe in picking my battles. Mm-hmm. So some things it's like, all right, if I feel like this is worth the fight, I'll mention it. But if it's not, I won't say anything. But sometimes where that has come to bite me is at the at the time I don't say certain things that maybe I don't agree with or I don't like and then you kind of sweep it under the rug and then you've got 
20 things piled up under this rug and then somebody does something and then it's like, oh, I got to get out of here before mm-hmm. I flip some tables. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it's been for me in some situations. And that's not healthy professionally, personally, any realm, I don't think. Um, so I would just say, you know, find a way, like you said, have an advocate or maybe you have to say it in a different way or just say it bluntly. Yeah. I mean, make observations. (laughs) If, if the person or persons that you're trying to reach, if it's more so about them receiving information in a certain way, Mm -hmm. use that certain way. If that certain way isn't your superpower, you got friends, you got allies at work, Mm -hmm. let them use it. it. Now, it's important to understand that versatility is a skill that we choose. So what does that mean? Earlier in this conversation, I talked about how the mentor number one made the observation and regaled the fact that I am able to really tune in mirror and adjust my communication style to the one-on-one person that I'm talking to. I choose to do that. That is a conscious choice. So if you found that in past communications or engagements that really wasn't uh, your superpower, (laughs) you don't have to stay that way if you don't want to. You can actually choose to be versatile. I love it. All right. Well, hey, on that note, we will get ready to close it out here for this first episode of season two of The Trigger Point podcast and that's trigger point again with an e make sure you don't forget the e and check out the trigger point book again on my website poetic expressions.com that's p-e-u sorry p-e-a-u-x-e-t-i-c expressions um poetic twitter snapchat instagram uh, poetic expressions on facebook and then make sure you follow sophie as well uh at s-t-t underscore sophie on instagram and get to see all of her lovely pictures about flowers and dogs and food. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but thank you again for being on, Sophie. It was really a pleasure having you on today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Team Trigger Point. Hey. (laughs) Jizz. Jizz. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. Until next time, peace.